Welcome to Wild Women, hosted by Camille and Sarah. This is a podcast about mind, body, and pleasure, an honest talk on all things self-care. We discuss issues related to dating, fitness, beauty, mental health. We also discuss stuff about social issues, and we often have interviewees that come up and tell us a little bit about their businesses or their inspirations or motivations or just their journey through some type of recovery. For those of you who haven't listened to us before, this is our second season. Let's dive in. Welcome to Wild Woman. So today we have a fantastic guest that we're going to talk everything sustainability. So welcome, Elizabeth. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about you and how you came to be passionate about this subject? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be on here and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, sustainability is a huge, huge passion for me. So I'm an Australian by birth, I live in the UK now. And I, I think that's where it all started. Like growing up, I was surrounded by the nature, bush, the beach. And over my childhood, I just watched things change so dramatically from like having snow when I was a child to then not being able to lay on the beach from scorching sun, just made me so aware of the climate. So ultimately as my education grew and I went and got postgraduate qualifications and started pursuing a career professionally in this, it dawned on me that it was my individual actions that influenced what businesses do and how mm. our countries are run, which then made me realize it's the individual action that is what influences sustainability. So that's, that's how I've come into this, sustainability coaching for individuals and showing how every choice we make can make the world that we want to live in yeah I love that and so you talk a lot about personal actions so some people Mm -hmm. might think well me only won't be making a difference in this world so what would be your answer to that and can you explain a little bit why it's so important yeah absolutely (laughs) it is um I I can definitely say I have struggled with that in my own mind. If I'm one person, what can I do? What do I even matter? But no, I do believe every single person matters. It's the idea that you can have a million people say, that all say, I'll do one thing. That adds up mm-hmm. and it's everybody doing just one thing. It does, it does accumulate, but also if a million people say, I don't matter, it doesn't matter, then nothing will change as well. I think the great analogy is people say is if you're sitting on a boat and it's sinking, and someone else isn't spooning out water, why would you stop if you have a bucket? Just because someone has a bigger bucket or something. So it's, it is a combined effort. Everyone has differing scales of what they can impact, but we all have a choice to do our part. Yeah. And how would you say that our actions keeps big business accountable? The choices that we make and the products that we buy and how we give the feedback back and how we feed like feed around our circles of friends, it does end up influencing, like just calling businesses out on social media platforms. You don't have to almost attack them, but it can just be a request of we actually want this. Mm. And even stopping buying certain products for companies just sends an economic signal to them as well as a social signal. Yeah. So there are definitely many scale formats it can be done by. Yeah, and I think that most people forget that your money has power 
it is a representation of your power because that's what like oh, that is so true i completely agree with that and um i love that 100%. you mentioned talking or calling out businesses online because it has been really important in this time of age and to send up for what you believe in and obviously social media is one great way to do that and signing petitions and all of that yeah without a doubt petitions are a big one as well like i understand that there is activism at one scale if you want to go to that but there's so many other things that you can do and petitions are a great one and yeah even just liking somebody else's post sending a signal to, to a company like if they put a comment up and you just like it that is still doing something and flagging something to a company that that's not acceptable or we want to change mm -hmm. yeah. so let's get a little bit more into like the topic so what is the definition of sustainability or how would you explain it to someone that has no idea of what it means okay i guess the formal definition is given in a united nations report that was done so it's the idea that we meet the needs of the current generation without compromising the needs of future generations so that's a bit a little bit <laughs> separate from us the way i would say it is you want something to be sustainable it's everything that you do means that it could continue forever mm. that's what sustainable means it means it could continue on indefinitely so I think the classic example we're aware of at the moment is fossil fuels are a finite resource. So they're not going to continue forever. So that is unsustainable, probably in the simplest terms. Um, mm -hmm. The other lovely way I'd, I'd like to look at it is the, the three circles that come together, where you have an economic, an environmental, and a social aspect. And it's when all of those combine in the, you know, in the best solution that that's the sustainable outcome as well. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned this. And some people might think, well, what about like, let's say fishing industry? Well, it's sustainable. But the problem with it is if we're not careful with how we do it, it might not be. So for example, can you talk a little bit about like the farming industry or the fishing industry and how it has lacked in the sustainability? Yeah, absolutely. Big subjects, without a doubt. Um, there's some great Netflix documentaries on them as well, which I would highly recommend watching, like Seaspiracy and similar. Yeah, I would say a few of them are almost down to partly unregulate, unregulated practices that have been allowed to continue. But it's, and that's what it is, it's that um, manufacturing industries have been able to develop without anybody checking them along the way, saying, is this actually viable for the planetary systems that the fact that we're looking at the extinction of a fair amount of sea life in the next couple of decades is really concerning that nothing's being done the other way yeah so i think there's a there's a lot of room for the government to step in for people to start looking at their practice and maybe reskilling in other industries but in terms of like broader sustainability that's like the environmental part you also then have the social where that's some people's livelihoods and that that does make it complicated but there are definitely avenues for them to be able to move into better industries where the world can go back to a more sustainable state and that's one thing too like i'm vegetarian but i always say to people if i go to a country where it is local i 
will be more likely to support that than if it's, you know, rocked to me over a big boat and it has the potential of like killing hundreds and of thousands of fish or other animals. Because the problem with right now with the fishing industry is they use really big fishing lines or fishing net and then any kind of sea animals can get stuck in it and they can die. So that has occurred with like dolphins. And another thing too is that always breaks my heart. And it's a little bit another subject, but when I see pictures of sea turtles with plastic around their head, they're stuck in it, that breaks my heart. So I guess let's move on to plastic consumption <laughs> since we're on the topic. Yeah, very closely intertwined. <laughs> Plastics, I would say in a way, has sort of been the main focus for a lot of people the past few years. And I can say, I think a lot of people go between, you have some environmentalists are like, why are we just worried about plastic straws when there's so, else, so much else going on? Mm. We do break it down. I post the other day, I think it comes down to, don't quote me on this, but we consume between like four to 10 kilograms of plastic each, each year, just through the foods that we're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame that, yeah, yeah, it's a huge shame that like plastic was a great revolutionary thing a couple of decades ago, but is now being so mass produced and doesn't break down very quickly or in an environmentally friendly way. Yeah. And we're still using it. Yeah, it's a huge concern. Like, as you said, for animals in particular, it's coming into our food streams, it's impacting us. They're now finding it in, they're finding now in fetuses inside women. It's like, it's, it's, it's a huge issue, but there is things that we can all do to reduce that. Like zero waste shops are starting to pop up. You can buy your fruit and vegetables, not in packaging. And if you do buy things, as you were saying, like see, like I see like seals with the plastic thing around their neck that's mm-hmm. cutting in, which is horrible, but you can just, you can cut that up before you put it in the bin. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of changes we could all make very easily that would would massively help in the plastic sphere. And so obviously I did some research for this episode. And one thing that blew my mind is I read that only 9% of recycled plastic is actually recyclable. So that's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. It's so it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, the one that always gets me is um, takeaway paper cups that people get. They have a plastic lining in them, so you can't actually recycle them. But it's these things that we think we're doing okay, but then you realize something isn't as it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. (laughs) And it takes like 500 years to disintegrate. And when you think about that, like that's so long with the amount of plastic that we're consuming. And like you said, we don't even realize how many products have plastic in it. Like I just learned that some of our like beauty products have microplastic in it, like micro beads, I think they called. Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up and you would use it to exfoliate and now you're like, oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I was not generating waste. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, it's concerning. There's so many chemicals in our beauty products that are so, so, so toxic for the environment. One thing 
that I learned about recently was the sunscreen that we use can actually kill our coral reef. And so to make sure that like you buy sunscreens that are safe for the ocean. Do you have any other like beauty tips on how to be more sustainable and safe for the environment? Yeah, absolutely. Again, completely like varying scales and pick and choose what you want and can fit into your lifestyle. First one is, as you said, the products that go into the beauty items that we consume is incredible. I almost dare people to go and look at what they have in their cupboard and actually read the ingredients and look at what they are. It's quite concerning. <laughs> but then, but on the varying scales, the next step down is maybe go and research some companies that are organic, animal cruelty-free. They are out there mm -hmm. and see if there's one that suits your skins. The next one from that is you can start looking at making your own as well. There's so many great books and resources out there online where you can go make your own facials or your own toners or hair products. And even if you just make one and make some changes in another, you're still doing a great, great thing. The waste is the other one that comes into that as well is um, how much plastic we consume and maybe changing it one thing at a time. So if you don't want to get a bamboo toothbrush, go and look at getting a compostable floss or mouthwash tablets rather than a, a bottle in a plastic bottle of mouthwash. And like hand soap instead of a plastic bottle or a shampoo bar. And even if you do one thing and just build it up over a year, however long it takes, it's a great shift in all areas then. Yeah. And one thing that I've been like trying to do more is like refill. Oh, yes. They are such a great thing. That's like just, it's just starting to pop up in the UK. And I think that's a big part that's important too, right? In sustainability is how can you make sure that you're not just replacing it every day, but how can you make sure that you're going to actually use it for longer? Oh, that is so, so true. There's there's the pyramid triangle in the sustainability sphere of like re reduce your need. Um, it's like reduce, repair, reuse, recycle. It's like the whole hierarchy that comes through and it's like, yeah, we, you may have a piece of plastic in there at the moment, but just keep using it if you can. Yeah. And then if something goes wrong, we have another product, repair your clothing, reuse it, recycle it rather than just throwing it straight to landfill. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like home products. Do you, you want to talk a little bit more about like our water usage in our home? <laughs> yes. I think in developed nations, we're quite fortunate that we all have it plumbed pretty much to our house and it is treated. So we don't, I don't think there's enough emphasis put on how much we use. We, I know some people may stand and brush their teeth with it going which is a shame because water scarcity is, is becoming an issue. I think we saw that recently in Cape Town where they were on a countdown because reservoirs were going down and climate change is playing a huge part in that. So water usage and our care for it needs to have more emphasis put on. In terms of in the household, it, it does come down to your main things of showering, 
washing and how you clean and washing up. It's the idea that if you are doing washing, easiest thing to do is just put it on a 30 or a 40. Not everything needs to go on a 60 wash. And also not everything needs to be washed every time either. I think the days are gone, we need to wash a pair of jeans every time you've worn them once. And it, it does add up over time, without a doubt. And also just shorter showers. And I think, yeah, we do need to start respecting water for the precious resource that it is, especially with pollution that's going around. I know everyone thinks the water cycle cycles and it does, but things, uh, there's a lot of pollution going on. Our actual drinkable water, like reservoir globally, I'd say is, is diminishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned that each minute that you are in the shower uses 10 to 20 liters of water. That's a lot of water. You might not even realize it, right? Sometimes some people stay in there for like 20 minutes. Well, do you actually need to stay in there for 20 minutes? (laughs) 100%. And, the, and then you have baths as well. I know that's probably one of my weaknesses and it's the awareness of how much water is just in one bathtub that someone else could be drinking. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just an awareness of that. It's very helpful, just one minute off for one less bath. Yeah, and one thing too, I think that really frustrates me is when, so when people like water yeah. their plants or their grass for like an hour instead of just doing it for like five minutes, they just leave it on. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. The other one to that is the idea that people, I know that we like lawns, but the idea that you could also have a native species that's suited to the climate that maybe don't need that much water as well mm. is a nice way to try and lower that water usage. That is true. I've never yeah. thought about that. Rewilding. So, yeah, I think it's just come up. I'm not sure. I'm starting to notice it more around London and when I'm traveling that little pockets of land are starting to become like rewild and English wildflowers are coming through to help the bee population come through and it's lovely to see. And so what is the link between climate change and sustainability? So climate change has come through from the scientific community that it is anthropogenic meaning it's caused by humans. So I think that's a very worldwide accepted thing now that it's humans that are causing climate change from how we're living on the planet. So the tie into sustainability is the contributing factors to why the climate is changing is the use of fossil fuels and the carbon dioxide that's going into the air, which is influencing the heat being retained and it's warming it. So as I said at the beginning, fossil fuel use isn't sustainable. There is only a finite amount of it available in our our little blue dot in space. So we need to switch to other products or yeah, like renewable energy sources and whatnot. But what's coming through as well, like with the sustainable development goals from the United Nations is that it's, it's not just an energy thing, it's an equality thing. It's a biodiversity thing. All of these things almost need to be repaired along the way. So although fossil fuels is the key issue for climate change, there's so many other like earth systems that have failed that we almost haven't been great custodians of to date. And we need to now go back to more sustainable practices to create a better world for ourselves. Mm. 
Yeah. And would you say that deforestation is a big part of the climate change as well? Yeah, it's definitely a part of it. Like it's it's uh, it's been quite a shame to see this week that the Amazon is now being said to be a source of carbon dioxide release rather than an absorption factor mm -hmm. of it. And it's always been referred to as the lungs of the earth. So it's that's quite a shame to see that come through. But in addition to deforestation, um, mangroves and wetlands are also, they absorb a lot of carbon as well, almost more so than trees. And the fact that we're clearing them out to build say ports or hard edges is, is also, it's also damaging. So yeah, the destruction of habitat is how I put it, is a huge contributing factor. We prioritize the industrial growth over the environmental. 100%, that's, that's what I think has happened to date. And that's where that three triangle thing needs to come into the ethos of more companies, where it is the environmental, the social, and the economic balance together mm -hmm. to understand that not just them in democratic societies, capitalists potentially, that that is an aspect of it, but it, it is in no means the dominating one at all. So it needs to be considered, but we can definitely do better. Yeah. What are your best tips for someone to, that is just targeting and feels a little bit overwhelmed by all of this information? What would be your best tips for them to become just a little bit more sustainable in their life? Best one I'd say is go, if you need things, go try buying them secondhand mm -hmm. or yeah, from an op shop. It makes a huge difference that you're buying into the reuse economy, which is, it's wonderful. To definitely do that. Next one is definitely look at how you eat. And that can mean you just try one vegetarian meal or try one vegan meal even, or try and bake a cake with a flax or chia egg <laughs> instead of instead of a normal egg. I would, yeah, I would definitely say start to try and look at how to change your diet a little bit to be less um, impactful on the environment and also for animal right, reasons as well. Final one I'd say is if you own your home or have any ability, any ability to influence how you source your energy, try and see if you can switch to a green energy provider. I can only speak for the UK, but I know that there's like the costs are nearly the same or even less I've found for some, um, but it makes, it makes a huge difference. And you're pretty much putting a clear signal out there to say, yeah, I want renewable energy and a better future in that space. So I'd say they're the top three yeah. things. <laughs> so there's so and much. That, and for people that don't understand the link between being vegetarian and vegan and then sustainability, can you explain a little bit how one helps the other? Absolutely. Um, so I guess you could say modern day agriculture is quite damaging for the environment, firstly for the land that's cleared to either put up like monocrops for palm oil or to create grazing land for, for cows, sheep, chickens, all of it. It's extremely devastating. I, th I think stats close enough, it's almost, uh, it's like 80% of mm -hmm. land that's cleared is, is for the maintenance of the meat that we eat, which <laughs> just 
we don't need to eat that much. I respect, I can, I do respect people's right and need to eat it if they wish, but not in the levels that we do. Mm-hmm. And if everybody did lower their meat intake and dairy intake, it would be a huge change in how we used the precious and minimal land that we do have on the earth to live on. So yeah, if that all went down, we'd be able to plant more trees to absorb the carbon. And we also wouldn't have the methane that the cows yeah. <laughs> let out <laughs> as well, which is quite de- dangerous. And I feel like one thing that people also forget is that to have that much meat com- um, production before your consumption, they do put, sadly, hormones into the animals and they do put products over the food that those animals are eating completely true it's quite sad to see almost like the conditions that these animals are growing up in and also knowing what you're then eating yeah probably not for the faint-hearted but there's some there's videos out there that you can see of where your food is coming from and the say the supply chain and what you actually end up eating it's quite yeah confronting I think there's a good saying there it's like if the thing won't go off in front of you if it was made in a plant don't eat it but if it is a plant then eat it and I think there's a lot to be said for that yeah I feel like a big problem right now in our world is that everything is so instant that we forget how it was created and so that comes back to sustainability because it's not just for food but it's for everything that we use like a phone do you know how it is created do you know what products are in it do you know if work ethics of the company do you know all of that and one thing that I would like to talk a little bit about if you have any knowledge on it is the fast fashion industry and how that impacts sustainability yeah fast fashion is yeah that's a big one it's interesting how it's developed like I guess the initial concept was you could get what was on the catwalk and get it in two weeks and if we take it back to that principle it's do you do you really need something like that also go look at the wardrobe behind you and don't you have enough clothes but in terms of how fast fashion impacts it's you do have workers that are working on a minimum wage in horrendous conditions Mm. we've recently seen buildings collapse over in Bangladesh and areas around there where, where workers are working with next to nothing, their children are living far away from them because they can't support them, they're just sending money home. And that's also that we say more privileged societies can walk into a shop and buy a top just because we felt like it that we can throw out next week. It's not a just or sustainable world to live in. Everyone deserves to be paid well. But that's from a, a social side. In terms of environmental, the the products that we use um, on the materials, more particularly like polyester and a few others, they they contain they contain plastic in them. Yeah, so it's always better to go towards more natural ones. Then moving up from that, you also have the dyes, which you were saying earlier, like the chemical ingredients in them that are going to water streams, the environmental impact. It's just as we say, the supply chain all the way through. There, there are some good companies out there doing great things and doing things properly and respectfully, and there's others that are not. So maybe just be sure who you're buying from and what mm-hmm. you are supporting with your dollar. Mm-hmm. And I find it sad 
because I have been trying to buy more ethical fashion options. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's sad to realize how many of the shops you go to actually aren't either like paying their workers right or they're really bad for the environment. And if you think about it, most people, like you mentioned, are not going to keep their clothes for long. And we end up with like 92 million tons of textile waste every year. And that's so much. And I love that you mentioned the dyes and chemicals because that comes back to the social part of it too, right? If the workers are not working in good conditions, well, obviously they might get sick from those dyes because it's toxic. Yeah. And I think, I think if you have been as well, so it, it's definitely happening. Yeah. So thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. Is there any subject that we didn't touch on that you would like to talk about? Or did we cover most of everything? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you've got a lot of it. I think you're most of it. There's so many different things, but no, we've done great. It was a great chat. Thank you. Yes, I feel like with a topic like this, you can go on for so long, but I love, <laughs> I love our conversation. And so where can someone find you if they do realize, oh my God, I'm, I'm not sustainable enough. My, I want to better my impact on the planet. Where can they find you? Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I am on Instagram at I am Elizabeth McLaughlin. And I'm also on Facebook under Elizabeth McLaughlin. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, it was great. Thank you for having me. It was lovely.